0: This week on the National Talkie League, we talk about Portuguese urine. We talk about Calgary's new green recycling program and what's going on in the national parks.
1: I'm Roger Kincaid. That's Dave Ware. We are two guys who are fond of strong opinions, loosely held. If that sounds like you, you're in the right place. This is the National Talkie League. National Talkie League. We have got so much to do on the, the podcast today. We've also got kind of an announcement. We're doing something a little bit differently, um, possibly brought on by the really long interview with Bennett Brower that we did in a recent podcast. So we're, trying, we're going to try something a little bit different, and we're actually going to supplement this podcast, National Talkie League, with an interview that we'll, we'll release later on in the week.
0: Yeah, like an extra episode.
1: Yeah, and as it stands right now, we don't have a good name for what we're doing. Uh in in keeping with the theme of like making this up as we go along and stick with us by episode like 136, it'll really start to gel. But um yeah, so uh, you know we 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 have a conversation with Trevor Toom, the economist from the University of Calgary. We cited him a few times on the on the National Hockey League podcast, and we'll release that later on this week. It'll be like a supplement to this podcast.
0: Do they have a special name for a midweek game in baseball?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, so the answer to the question is um, they have Sunday night baseball. It's a tradition. And uh, when they play, uh, when they broadcast a game on a different night of the week, they'll name the baseball game after that night instead of Sunday.
0: So just Tuesday night baseball,
1: as a good example.
0: So there's no special like okay, because I was thinking since it's a National Talkie League, maybe we should have some sort of league based, you know, <laughs> yeah. midweek game or away game. Maybe it's the away game.
1: Should we try to just come up with some really obtuse hockey reference
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that we get that we could use?
0: Road game. Oh, that's we're not, not really, we're not on the road now.
1: Road game would have to be like when we go out of the studio, our, our our cyber studio, and do it in the in the confines of a pub or a theater or something like that. That'll be a road game.
0: Intraleague Man.
1: game. That's not bad, but it it triggers me. I hate intraleague play in baseball. <laughs> or interleague play rather intra. In- it's all intra league, isn't it?
0: Inter would be in between, right? And intra would be external. Is that right? right.
1: You're the linguist
0: here. Yeah, I know. I should know this. <laughs>
1: I'll give you some time to uh, to Google that. We can put it in an edit here. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, Well I don't know. I don't know what we'll call it. Well, maybe maybe we won't come up with the answer this uh, this particular podcast. But just so you know um that's how we're going to try to start doing things you know we we like doing interviews we like to just talk with interesting people about stuff sometimes it's really pertinent information or sometimes we just have access to someone who's got a unique or an interesting story to tell and so we will uh hopefully anyway we'll, we'll it'll catch on and we'll continue to supplement this podcast with an
0: interview so I was 100% wrong with what i just said. <laughs> so, so inter is between groups and intra would be uh, amongst your own group. Yeah,
1: so i was i was thinking about it just in just now it triggered it's basically international, right? Like
0: that's kind of the Yeah.
1: Yeah. But no one ever says international like when you're flying from <laughs> Vancouver to Toronto no one says, "Oh, it's an international flight."
0: Um so yeah, it could be the interleague game or something we could call it.
1: Uh yeah. Now you're making me think of like intermission. Right. But that's not very obtuse.
0: <laughs>
1: It'd be great if it was just like a real stretch, you know, yeah. just for our own benefit. Because National Talkie League, I mean, that's kind of punny and it's kind of upfront. If we just had something that like almost like Wikipedia didn't even get the reference. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, oh, and uh, in the. In the corrections department, I forgot to correct this one, but I believe a while back I referred to – we were talking about uh, Tegan and Sarah and we were talking about the Lego. Yeah. uh, Everything is awesome. Yeah. And I said that it was by Tegan and Sarah and then I said and also uh, Adam Sandler and The Lonely Island. And of course it was Andy Samberg is what I meant. Nobody cares but me, but I needed to make that correction.
1: Okay. Good play. I like that. I like an artist who's willing to – you know. Make the correction of, on his own canvas there.
0: Say that they're wrong. I'm wrong all the time, dude. Yeah. Constantly.
1: You, you and me both. Um, so much to get to. So much to talk about on the podcast today. And for those of you who followed us, this is not a good place to start, by the way, but this will be quick because we have to get this out of the way. But for those of you who uh, are, follow us and like our Facebook page, thank you very much. Um, we we ask you for huge favors a lot, and, and you know, you listening to our podcast is enough. And we can't say thank you enough. We we certainly ask you to share our podcast with your friends. Um, share if you could share our Facebook posts with your friends as well. They'll really like that because sometimes we come up with such high quality things as Did you know the ancient Romans used to rinse their mouth with Portuguese urine because they thought it made their teeth whiter. <laughs>
0: That was insane, Roger. I did not know that and now I do and I don't know if I'm pleased about that.
1: I googled um, beauty uh, – disgusting beauty trends. That's what my search term was in Google and that came up. And then it was like – but it was part of a list of other things. And, and Like that's where I stopped. I was just sort of like, nope, that's it. <laughs> I'm not going down this this wormhole anymore.
0: Laura said it best. She said, why? Why did I Google this? I can't unsee it. Do you have proof that Greta, Gar- Greta Garbo did this?
1: Ew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I used a nice picture of Greta Garbo's pearly whites <laughs> there to, to really punctuate it. So, But uh, you know, I, I wonder how difficult it would be to start another trend like this, right? Because we have so much like quackery out there and – uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, she could do it actually. If Gwyneth Paltrow told you to rinse your mouth with Portuguese urine, and uh, I bet you people would do it. They steam their vaginas because of her.
0: <laughs> um, oh, speaking of of uh, <laughs> what? Steaming vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. There's actually, uh, and I'm trying to remember her name here. This I just started following her on Twitter. And she is a doctor who took uh, offense to uh, some of the information that that uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was sharing, especially about like jade eggs and the insertion of them into the vagina, that it was a good idea and uh, fascinating stuff. I think she would be a rocking guest to get on here. I'll see if I can look up her name while we're talking. Yeah, but, for uh, sure. But uh, yeah. yeah, she'd be great when to have on.
1: Well, it's just so funny to me, like in an age where – you know natural remedies and all of this stuff and 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 people um are willing to let their kids die uh instead of get them like you know proper medicine and whatnot um, I wonder if 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 the whole port if if people would still fall for Portuguese urine and I wonder who came up with it in the first place
0: well uh, from what I was reading it's the the concept of the ammonia right? Because there's ammonia in it. So in theory, that would maybe kill bacteria. I don't know.
1: So then I guess the question is then, does it work or doesn't it work? Like if you peed – and there's nothing about the Portuguese that are going to be unique. So if you're peeing in your own mouth, are you going to have noticeably
0: whiter teeth? Yeah, the Portuguese part is really interesting. (laughs) Maybe they (laughs) ate spicier foods. I don't know. Well, I think – this is how I think the evolution of it
1: happened is that someone – for fun decided that they would like you know uh um punk their friend's you know wife or something and say oh yeah yeah rinse your mouth with urine it's uh makes your teeth white and then she started doing it and came back later and was like hey, i don't know if it's working my husband hasn't noticed that uh, my teeth are pearly white <laughs> and then the guy went oh yeah uh you got to use the portuguese urine that's why not your own urine that's disgusting you got to go get some guy you know, from the, from Portugal, walk across Spain, have a guy pee in your mouth, rinse, come on back over here. Do that twice a week. Uh-huh. Whitest teeth you've ever seen.
0: Cause, so cause, the, uh- Cause
1: Dave, not to belabor this point, but you've got to think that at some point somebody <laughs> was sitting there going, it's not working. My teeth are not getting whiter. <laughs> or maybe it's because I'm eating so much baking soda that my teeth are getting
0: whiter. And that was the, the person who couldn't, couldn't own up to being wrong they had to find a oh no no it's the portuguese urine that's that's what she did did. um so the the doctor i mentioned before uh she's on twitter her name is jennifer gunter so it's at dr D R, jen j-e-n gunter g-u-n-t-e-r she's great she uh is very outspoken on uh like women's reproductive health, especially, I think that's her specialty. And, uh, so if you go back a little bit, she's got a lot of opinions about the whole, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow thing. And it's awesome. Cause it's one of those things where it's like, oh, well actually I'm a doctor on the very thing you're talking about. And everything you just said is utter bullshit. And then of course, Gwyneth Paltrow's people are like, oh yeah, how dare you try to silence us? It's like, no one is trying to silence you. You're just wrong. We're just telling you that you're wrong. She,
1: she might do, uh, this podcast. Um, her story is pretty interesting. I believe, uh, and I'm gonna have, I'm gonna maybe give myself a correction here, but I believe that she um, went through like the whole naturopath or or uh, homeopathic like doctor school, and then only then realized like this is harmful to people. Like this this level of trickery is harmful, and has spent more time debunking it. I think it's her. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I'll, double check that, but, um, yeah, hopefully she would do it. She Yeah. Maybe we'll get us. in
0: touch with her and see if she's interested in talking. she got like uh, 50,000 followers. On oh time. yeah. Yeah. Crazy craziness. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Toom, our guest, uh, on the interview this week has more followers than you and I and the podcast combined. I think that's cause he's putting out facts,
1: man. People like facts. Yep. We're, we're over here doing, um, uh, uh, what opinions and, uh, conjecture
0: yeah mostly i just bitch about (laughs) Legos. all
1: right well let's uh let's hear from uh, our german friend
0: johannes and get this podcast cooking national talkie league so sexy it hurts
1: um yeah go
0: speaking of uh bitching about things uh (laughs) so i made the mistake i don't know if it was a mistake or not of following uh the cbc feed on twitter or sorry on uh, facebook and uh, it's my favorite and my least favorite thing in the world. My favorite part is that CBC will print an article or write an article about whatever. And the people that comment on it are like the – you know the, your typical Facebook commenters who probably haven't read the article just using it as an excuse to yap off about something. Um, the other day it was uh, the, uh, the banana boat uh, baby sunscreen. Right, okay, You heard yeah. about this where the sunscreen wasn't working effectively. Kids were getting blistered and stuff, Right. like second-degree burns kind of thing. And so one woman had said on there, she was like, oh, it's that whole – you know what? I don't believe in sunscreen. It seems exactly like cooking oil to me, like spray cooking oil. And I was like, I have no idea exactly what your point here is, but cooking oil would be the exact opposite. If sunscreen had an opposite, it would be cooking oil they would have exactly the opposite effect right also this was a specific brand uh, what is your problem with sunscreen and she was like well you know it's all that unnatural stuff that we use In my day people just got sunburns <laughs> yes and cancer so uh, so anyways that's the, the level of uh, you know of the comments that I'm reading so of course they uh, put out a story this week about the uh, the city of Calgary and uh, how the, the the green bins are coming right and so of course lots of people have lots of things to say especially those that haven't actually looked up the uh, the green bin so do you have your green bin yet Roger
1: yeah I do have my green bin I have no idea now how I'm gonna fill it and a black bin I do a pretty good job filling the blue bin a lot of cardboard and beer cans over here
0: <laughs> so uh, I'm assuming that you're up on on how it's going to. Have, have you had a collection yet? Are you in the you in the Southwest, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think they have started picking up in the Southwest. Yeah,
1: they started picking them up last week. So I get another right. one tomorrow, and then they come and get my garbage on Wednesday, the black bin on Wednesday.
0: Right. So if for those of you that haven't uh, read up on it yet, which is very easy to do, by the way, as I discovered when I was trying to figure out whether this person was right or not, just go to see Calgary website. Put in city of Calgary green bin. It will tell you everything you need to know. Uh, So basically the deal is that every week your green bin and your blue bin will get picked up. Yes. Every Every other week, week your black bin will get picked up, but not on the same day as the other two. So you'll never put all three of your bins out on the same day. You'll never have to do that. Is that your understanding, Roger? That's
1: correct. Yeah. That's not my understanding. That's a fact. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they're
0: doing. It's the Trump era. Facts don't mean shit anymore. Right. So, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so the theory, and then people were complaining, well, great. Now my garbage is going to be sitting there for two weeks in the summer and blah. People are complaining about, well, my compost is going to be sitting out there for two weeks. And it's just like, oh, could you just read for five minutes and figure it out? Right. Okay. Number one, your compost won't be sitting there for two weeks because your composting bin or your green bin will be going every single week. Number two, you could put a bag around it as long as it's a compostable bag or a newspaper bag. Also, you can correct me about this if I'm wrong, but what I was reading is when the bin comes, it actually comes with a small supply of said yeah. bin liners that you can use.
1: And a little tiny uh like composting bucket for your kitchen, yeah.
0: Right, so you can take the bucket, you can collect your stuff and then take it out to your green bin yeah. next. So it sounds like they've pretty much covered it. The only people that I could see maybe getting a little nervous about this is I don't know, if you have twin, you know, uh kids toddler or younger and they're still in diapers or something that might become a bit of a concern to you that your your black bins only go in every second week. But other than that, I don't know, do you think people are generating that much garbage that isn't food waste related or recycling related these days?
1: Uh, great question. I don't know. I don't even know where to begin with that. Um, I, I mean, I do have some queries for the people who are making these complaints and they start with just don't put your head in your garbage can and smell <laughs> like it's a trash can. It's a, it's the, the only stuff that's supposed to go in there is things you don't want anymore. And like keep the lid closed. I've, I've yet to complain about the overwhelming stench of refuse in the city of Calgary. Yes, I agree. Okay, so I mean I don't really know where these comments come from and you're supposed to separate your organic material now and put it in the green bin, which is collected every week. That is the stuff that stinks. Correct. Right. Okay, so their city is not going to stop getting the things that rot. They're going to come and do that every week, which now means that your garbage should be primarily not –
0: non-recyclable yeah like things? not
1: breaking down and making a stench yeah exactly so if that's the problem if if you have a legitimate concern about yeah I don't want my garbage can reeking to high heaven occasionally I like to you know bring that into the garage we open the lid me and the guy sit around it we crank up the furnace you know and then we uh, we have a sweat
0: like like whatever it is <laughs> i don't know the the well the, and and you can also recycle your yard waste in the green bin now and you can yeah. also recycle uh dog wastes in the green bin yeah you can put bones in there if you yep. eat
1: it it's part of your food it goes in that thing now so I, I, like look i think that it's it's great that people have questions and that they have concerns i just would appreciate it if the questions weren't stupid questions <laughs> cuz those the are rever- those, those are legitimately dumb
0: ones Remember, Roger. There's no stupid questions, only stupid people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and here's some non-stupid people. Uh, so we, we put the question up. Uh, we said, uh, you know, what are your what are your thoughts? Praise or anger? So Eric said, Will it not be confusing to have black bin pick up every other week? Am I supposed to stagger spring cleaning to match the city schedule? And I'm not too thrilled at the possibility of fines for putting the wrong thing in the wrong bin. Plus, what happens in the winter when all the scraps freeze to each other in one giant chunk of frozen compostables? I think awesomeness when they put it in the truck is what happens there. Uh, I'm glad the Southeast, so I'm last, and they can hopefully work out the kinks.
1: Yeah, I think there's Eric's got a really legitimate question there. Um, first of all, I think the staggering the black bin is a really good idea. It's designed to help you eliminate waste and giving you the third uh you know giving you the blue bin in the first place and then giving you the the green bin now which is a little bit more legit but no hang on a second this is sorry i was only thinking of pop cans there's a lot of cardboard that you can now recycle but anyway giving you the green bin now it allows you to to separate your waste and reduce what you would generally be putting into that black bin anyway so i don't think that should be a real concern for his spring cleaning schedule um but as for the the freezing of the compost, you, you know when, when your organic materials break down, they generate heat, so it's going to be less likely to freeze than you think. Obviously, we get down to those you know minus thirty weeks. some of that stuff's going to turn into a big ice salad. Um, but that doesn't matter. It actually kind of helps the process along when it gets to the the big old you know composter you know factory or whatever. Yep. Um, you know that that sort of uh, freeze and thaw. It, it apparently helps these things break down a little bit quicker.
0: I wonder if anyone in the city's gone over the whole like green brown compost issue where if you have too much nitrogen happening in there that you could actually get significant amount of heat generated in that bin probably not within a week it's probably fine. Uh, Brent also said, we've – our man in Okotoks, Brent says, we've had green bins in Okotoks for several months. It's fine, especially with special compostable bags in the inside bin. I'm not 100 percent sold. On the cost of separating out what amounts to the most land-fillable parts of our garbage, but it's a minor inconvenience at most. Now, that's a good point. The problem I've always had is when I had to bag up my like you know, yard clippings and, and leaves and whatever in the past is that they're still inside that bag, and those bags take a long time to break down. So you've got completely compostable material inside a non-compostable bag. So maybe if they said all garbage bags from now on have to be compostable, then that would solve that problem. But this solves it too. Yeah. Um, you don't want
1: – What did he say about compostable things going to the landfill?
0: He said, I'm not 100% sold on the cost of separating out what amounts to the most landfillable parts of our garbage. Mm-hmm. But it's a minor inconvenience at most.
1: Yeah. So you don't want um, organic materials going into the landfill. No. Because it creates a lot of like methane and stuff like that, right? Yep. So um, – yeah, diverting organic materials from landfill is a really – is a very good idea. So I, I used to be of the mind that it's like it's way better to throw them – to be throwing like apple cores in the landfill than paint cans. And I stand by that statement. But you know, given the option, um, you should recycle one and compost the other in its own facility. I also think that like landfills should really be – we should separate landfills a little bit better. Because we got a lot of stuff that's going into landfills that we just don't know how to recycle right now. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And then, yep. so we could, we could like have, geez, I don't know, like the glass or just help me out here and imagine a non recyclable product that you can think of all in one landfill, cover it up. And then when we figure out how to use that and how to recycle that product, just go mine it.
0: Yeah, that's a great idea, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a little bit of growing pain. It's going to be a little hassle short term, but uh, check back in on this in six months or a year, and I bet you everybody's like, "Oh, love it, fantastic!" Don't have to worry about lugging big heavy garbage bags around as much, you know. And I, I guarantee you, half of that half of that stuff in your black bin is going to be food waste. Yeah, it totally will be. Guarantee it. And the heavy stuff, all food waste.
1: Yep, I, I think that um, the more likely reaction is gonna be people realize uh, it's not that big a deal they just don't care but they'll yeah. never say they'll never learn oh, I shouldn't have got so worked up about it <laughs> right
0: well they're also bitching that uh, now it's 14 dollars a month instead of you know 650
1: yeah I got a problem right? with that yeah because yeah. we didn't have a say in the matter you know what I mean and they gotta I think that the that the city could do a much better job of saying here's the savings here's where you get yeah. your money back you know and, and they don't They don't necessarily always do that. They'll they'll tell you this is where your money goes, to this great composting facility. But what they don't tell us is um, you'll see a reduction at this end of your bill too. So you're going to pay $6 more on your NMAX bill for your garbage collection. But you will see uh, uh, a significant reduction over time over on this place when we have to spend less money doing
0: this. Yeah, we don't have to make another landfill in the next 30 years or we have to buy more land or take more land Mm -hmm. to do that.
1: Yeah, so this kind of segues into something for me and it's the story about the guy who built the staircase in Toronto. Are you familiar familiar with this? So the city of Toronto essentially had it where, um, I should, let me back it up here because it's not the city of Toronto who had this, but some guy in Toronto, he needs access to a park, so he builds a staircase for $650. Meanwhile, um, I think that Toronto's like city council is is trying to figure out that it's going to cost somewhere in the neighborhood of sixty five to a hundred thousand dollars to get this thing built, one hundred fifty grand. Okay, so this guy goes and builds it, and then all of a sudden, like every conservative anti government person in the country is thinking, like, here we go. Here's Joe Public and and some homeless guy apparently <laughs> building this staircase to a park, doing it for five hundred fifty bucks where the city was going to pay sixty five thousand dollars. Now, look, <clears throat> it's a great story. I love it. I think it would be even funnier if it was a Syrian refugee who had done it
0: because
1: <laughs> <laughs> then that, that would have like some – that would have really put some people in an uncomfortable quandary. <laughs> but anyway. That, oh,
0: sorry. How wonderful would it be if Syrian refugees kept popping up and saving cities' monies all over the place? Uh, it would just be hilarious,
1: right? Because you wouldn't
0: know <laughs> what to do.
1: Like uh, I just think it would just be wildly funny. But anyway, um, <laughs> go back. This is a problem and the guy, first of all, the positive stuff, kudos to this fella for pointing out to the city that this stuff doesn't need to be really expensive, that this stuff can be done for quite a reasonable cost. What the city is pointing out here is that there is so much bureaucracy and so much largesse. Because this staircase, you know, it has to be planned. You know that the materials have to be sourced on an open contract. You know that that, that union labor has to do it. You know that it has to be like there's uh, procedures and inspections and all of this stuff that's going to happen. And that's why it's going to cost $150,000. And it's intolerable for a lot of people. So this senior guy basically as a science project, as like a school assignment, shows you that for $500 with and some elbow grease, you can go ahead and build a staircase. The city should promptly rip that staircase down because it's on public property, right? It's, in, it's on city property. So if somebody falls down that staircase or if that staircase is not built to code, who? how are the courts supposed to determine liability?
0: Yeah. At this point, you go after the guy who built the staircase, right? You would have to. You'd have to. Well, the city would for sure because then they're not paying it, right? No, they didn't no, issue them a, a permit. While you were telling me that story, that was my first thought is there's got to be some liability issue here, right? Yeah. What happens if that staircase fails? What happens? Who's going to maintain that staircase, right?
1: Yeah. I mean that's why like you engineer stuff. You know how engineers wear a, an iron ring on their pinky finger? It's yeah. to remind them that like take your job seriously. People's lives depend on it. You know, They might be driving across that iron bridge that you put your stamp on and the whole thing collapses into the water. That's why they wear that ring. Right. And and so it, it's sort of like, look, I could knock together a, a staircase like this too, you know. I I've got a hammer and nails and I and a uh, you know a, a miter saw and I enjoy a little time in the sunshine, but there's a reason why, like, there's a reason why you can't just go doing that, and it's actually a really good reason.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're a hundred percent right. Uh, it's nice to be able to laugh at the city and say, "Ha, huh, look, we can do it cheaper." But you're absolutely right. There's there's all those other factors. And That's the kind of thing that people don't generally stop to think about. Well, this well. is why there's bureaucracy. i mean, could some of that bureaucracy be cut out? probably yes. yeah, a ton
1: of it no that see I think that's what the cities need to do here is go, we are clearly too fat for for small projects. There has to be a better way to do this and I mean you know if if a bunch of parents want to build a playground in their community for all the kids, you know in a new neighborhood or something like that. There's there's a mechanism in place. Well, there was in Alberta until the NDP took that away. But um, you know, there, there's a mechanism in place, right? You should be able to go to the city and say, "Look, there's 30 of us. This is the land, and it's perfect for a playground." And then the city should go, "Hey, yeah, look it. There's 30 of you. There's land. Here's a playground kit. We're yeah. going to send out one city employee
0: to help you build it." And yeah, then he's he, going to talk to you while you're planning to make sure you're going in the right direction. He's going to come out while you're building to make sure everything's going right. He's going to come out after and do a final inspection.
1: Perfect. Right. So there's three hours of work, and then we can get this whole thing done probably for about a thousand bucks. Right. And so I think that that mechanism has to be in place. But to just, you know, kind of roll up under the cover of darkness and knock up a staircase. <laughs> Ugh. So uh, Sandra Jansen actually. Uh, once a progressive conservative, now a member of the government, um, tweeted about this and said, uh, ah, that do-it-yourself laser eye treatment. Uh, I'm trying to remember this here. I should just probably read it. She said, uh, that do-it-yourself laser eye treatment kit I'm working on is going to make me, uh, who, who turned the lights out? So it's like this joke about how You know, you can't have people doing do-it-yourself surgery. That's covered under medical and government and blah, blah, blah. She completely failed to make a point. It was like the dumbest tweet I've seen out of a politician in a long time. (laughs) And it like infuriated me because there is a point to be made here. And the point is not to ridicule Jason Kenney for supporting a guy for taking the gumption to improve his community. The point is to say there's a reason why government has to get involved in certain things here. And it's to prevent
0: calamity. Yeah. You'd say, hey, Jason Kenny, clearly you don't understand how government works or how it should work or how it protects people. Right. There's there's definitely a good point to be made somewhere in there, <laughs> somewhere in there.
1: National Talkie League. So sexy. It hurts. Yeah. Um, I feel like that was my throat clearing rant, by the way, which I've actually got chambered for later on in the podcast. after a delightful trip through two national parks. Um, But I want to ask you about something, Dave. Yes. Um, Is it a sign that you're in a bad restaurant? If you ask the server, what's good here? And they respond, the burger.
0: Well, I don't think it's necessarily bad. The burger could be good.
1: Okay, let me let me. Uh, are let me you,
0: do you want the server to answer in this scenario? Are you the owner and you want the server to answer with something that's going to make them a lot of money, or are you the the clientele who just wants to eat the best thing that place has to to offer?
1: I'm just thinking about like if I ask you what's good here, um, there's got to be an item on the menu that the chef is just so excellent at preparing, right? And if the top of this guy's game is a hamburger, <laughs> then I think this is a very untalented chef.
0: <laughs> all right. I think you've made a good point. I agree. Uh, though I did go to a place in Half Moon Bay, which is uh, just outside of San Francisco where uh, Mavericks you've, – you've heard of Mavericks, the famous surf competition with the insane oh, yeah. surf waves. Yeah. Anyways, right outside of Mavericks and uh, I had the burger. It was pretty good.
1: Yeah. I'm not saying the burger is bad. Like I, you know, it's, there's lots of really good hamburgers out there and there are some places that are burger joints and it's like we – that's all we do. Right. Right. Um, but I, I just feel like if you're in a restaurant and there's a big menu and some diversity of products on there, and the server says, oh, yeah, the burger's fantastic, I think that you're basically saying that the chef sucks at making food. He's really good at putting the worst part of, like, often the worst beef on the cow together and uh, grilling it till it's, you know,
0: nice and brown and crispy. You're also relying on that server and whatever their tastes happen to be. Just because you're a server doesn't necessarily make you a connoisseur of good food, right? Which brings up another really good point. Like if you're a restaurateur,
1: wouldn't it behoove you to sit with your service staff and just go, look, when people ask you what's good here, either name the feature. okay? (laughs) it's a feature for a reason. Name it. Or else name this signature item here. Like the duck coffee marmalade, or like something, right? Like have that, have that answer ready to roll. I like. There's nothing worse than the unhelpful waiter. Hey, what's good here? Oh, uh, Every, everything's everything, good. Yeah, it's been a while since I've eaten here. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you know? That's that answer drives me crazy, especially as a parent. Like, what was your favorite part of that movie? Oh, I liked everything. What was your favorite thing you did today? Everything was good. This you're just avoiding having to try to figure it out. You're you're avoiding the question when you say, "Oh no, it was all great."
1: I would I would be great if that was like really acceptable though in other areas, right? Like a political platform.
0: Uh, if you're elected mayor,
1: uh, what are you gonna do for the city? Oh, everything. What won't I do?
0: What's the strongest part of your campaign? The whole thing. The whole thing is to soup to nuts, dynamite. There's an expression we don't use enough: soup to nuts. Soup to right? nuts
1: fits into this Nobody, food
0: conversation. Most places don't serve either of them anymore. So, yeah, no kidding.
1: And by, what of so? Do, do you know the etymology of soup to nuts?
0: Uh, I I don't, but I could make a wild guess as to being a meal that is inclusive of all of the things starting with a soup course and moving all the way to a final nut course. Exactly
1: right. So. Starts with the soup, ends with the nuts. So when you talk about something from soup to nuts, it's basically the entire, uh, the, the entirety of, of, of whatever it is you're talking about. In your life, have you ever finished a meal with nuts? Never. Like I, I to the point, have you ever heard of it though? Have you ever even been to a place where you know the waiter will say, oh, "We'll start you off with a nice lobster bisque." be a Caesar salad to follow, the beef wellington and then a nice uh, cheese followed by a sorbet and you'll round things out with a bowl of pistachios.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, we don't do that so much anymore. No,
1: no. I heard a phrase the other day, um, uh, flying colors, with flying colors. Mm-hmm. And that to me uh, – that struck me as a phrase that we'll use uh, from time to time without any reference for where it comes from.
0: Right. Yes. Would you like to know where it comes from?
1: Yeah, I would. But but I'd also like to know what it means. Because like, doesn't it? Does it mean like with flair, or does it mean, um, like successfully, or like what does it mean to to? And how do you even use it properly? Well, not want to know. It the, all from soup I think to nuts. the
0: original etymology would be back when the, in the the naval era when the the big ships were were king. And uh if you had a naval battle with another ship and you defeated that ship, uh that ship would strike its colors or its flags and the ship that won would, you know, head back into harbor with its colors flying. So it's flying colors, right? So it basically it means you you kicked some ass, you won. You're the best.
1: Okay. Do do, do you feel it's used properly
0: or is it No, yeah? because you would say I passed that test with flying colors. Right. Which to me would say you didn't just barely pass it; you really passed it, no problem at all. You killed, really that you killed the proctor. <laughs> <laughs> the the invigilator was uh, damaged by your process. Uh, no, um, yeah, no. To me, it doesn't really sum up the idea that yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, okay. I, I crushed it. I destroyed the other ship. That's how much I beat this test by. I guess would be the. But it, you know, to say that you passed with flying colors just means that, yes, you passed.
1: I feel like there could be like a National Talkie League dictionary of cliches. <laughs> we could release it as an ebook and make some money or something like that. <laughs> it will be our first product. I like
0: it. National Talkie League, America's most trusted source for news. Um, okay.
1: <clears throat> I am going to actually uh, uh, peel off this rant here if you don't mind. About uh, national parks. So my question is: Do our national parks make us enough money? Uh, you remember a couple episodes ago, Dave? We were talking about uh, the you know the 150th of Canada and how um, they were giving away like free park passes to everybody. Yeah. Okay. So I'm driving into Banff National Park with my wife, and guess what I decided to do? I decided to stop at the little chalet on the way in, and they could not have been less excited to see me <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're like what, what what do you want <laughs> yeah so
1: i rolled in and she said um she's like hi welcome to Banff for whatever and i said yeah hi how you doing uh, we're actually going on to yoho so I, I actually stopped here to see if you might have had a map for yoho national park and then she just looked at me and she goes you know it's free right like you don't require a park pass to get in this year I was just thinking to myself, yeah, hi to you too. Great to see you. Awesome. (laughs) Welcome to Banff. It's good to be here. Anyway, drove through Banff. Gorgeous. Drove into Yoho. There are four campgrounds in – no, sorry. I think there's only three campgrounds in Yoho that are accessible by car. Okay. All the other ones you hike into, including Takaka Falls, right? Which is fine. Uh, actually make it four, which is fine, but no, it's three. Anyway, it's fine. But I'm just thinking to myself, like, shouldn't we have more? They're all full. It's hard to get a campsite in a national park in the summertime. Shouldn't we have more, give people more opportunities to explore our national parks. And supplementary question I put to you as well, Dave Ware, shouldn't the people in the chalet, Be really friendly and welcoming and kind of like, you're going to have so much fun in Banff National Park. Here's a bunch of things to do.
0: I'm going to start with the second half of the question. Absolutely. Those people are the ambassadors for that national park. They are the ambassadors for our country, foreign visitors. They should absolutely be bending over backwards to uh, seem as though they enjoy telling you about the national park. Absolutely. No question. The first half of the question is a little trickier. Now, if it's every year that those campgrounds are filled up, then I would say that we should definitely look at expanding them. Is it just because it's the 150? I know that the parks have been inundated with people this year, right. but I mean, this the the question you're asking to a to a you know in the bigger picture is. How much should we develop the national parks? Exactly, precisely. So you know, should we? Should Banff be bigger? Should there be more stores? Should more people be allowed to live there? And the argument, of course, on one side is, well, the reason that people go there is because it's pristine and beautiful and natural, not because it's got you know really super expensive print and rock stores. Uh, <laughs> those are just the things that we make a little bit coin on. Um, So it's tricky because the more people that use the park, the less of the park is there for people to use and enjoy. But on the other hand, if you're not going to have anything for people once they get there, they're not going to go there. So I think it's a bit of a catch-22. You kind of have to do some expansion or expansion in some areas to provide the services to get the people up there. Because if there's no point in me going to Banff, if there's no road for me to get there, if there's no place for me to stay when I get there and need to stay overnight, if there's no tour bus to take me up the mountain, then I'm not going to do, it, <clears throat> do any of those things.
1: Right. I mean I'm thinking about it in this context and, and you've kind of in a way pointed out that my observation is completely anecdotal and I would need to uh, appear here with some reams of research of, over you know campsite usage in previous years to, to – Legitimately quantify the question, um, which I think is an awesome point. But you know, I look at Yellowstone National Park, and Yellowstone is sort of a, uh, the opposite extreme. Okay, so in Yellowstone National Park, it's kind of like a big loop, and there's there's several villages throughout the national park. It's very accessible by car. You can see and do a lot by car. Pull into parking lots and go on boardwalked hikes, which is kind of necessary there because the earth is so volatile in that particular park. You can like fall through the mud and boil to death or worse, ignore the signs and go boil to death in that giant hot tub they have there. But anyway, um, has that happened this year yet, by the way? I seem um, to remember hearing about it at some point, yeah. <laughs> so the, the the thing is that, that – you can get to a lot of Yellowstone. You can experience a lot of Yellowstone National Park, and they have tremendous backcountry opportunities for intrepid hikers as well. And if you go into like the ranger station, uh, you know at the at one of the gates to Ye- Yellowstone and ask them about backcountry opportunities, more than happy to spend ten, twenty, thirty minutes showing you on maps where to go, what you need to be prepared with you know what's going on in that area right now. So, it's a it's a pretty cool experience for everybody, like the hardcore backpacker, hiker, uh, or the, you know, family in a minivan or, you know, truck tow an RV sort of thing. Now, I just don't get that same experience with Banff. And and I look at Banff and it's splendid, but why do people go to Banff? It's mostly to, you know, spend the day in the town like you said, go to the candy store and buy some really expensive chachkis and then go to the Cave and Basin, play an expensive round of golf at the Banff Springs. Stay at that hotel, like it's kind of it seems like it 's centered around the town site, and I just don't see as much accessibility to some of the most splendid wilderness on the planet.
0: am i wrong uh, no i don't think you're wrong um I'm just wondering too though there's a, isn't there are there not a decent number of campsites outside of the park as well, like in the yamnuska valley and and the Bow Valley kind of thing. Am I wrong? Am no, I right? You're
1: right, and and you're kind of getting to to you know another point that I'd like to make. That I think that the province should take more control over Banff National Park, and let Ottawa say, look, this is the point of a national park, and this is why it's a national park. It will remain a national park, but you will operate it, and you will benefit from the tourism opportunities that you create. So, like I'm a like. <clears throat> You know, it it's 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 strange to me, and I don't really know what the revenue structure would be. How much of the money that's spent in Banff National Park goes to the feds as opposed to goes to the province. But you know, that's a pretty substantial chunk of glorious wilderness in this province that I think that we should benefit from as a province. And I think that that there's probably some opportunities to monetize our environment. Uh, A little bit better because people are really into that right now. They want to pay good money to come and do like ecologically sensitive things in the wilderness.
0: And yeah, that's the the key, I think, is to do it in a way that is, you know, ecologically friendly. Obviously, the most ecologically friendly thing is all of you stay out of here. Right. And then things will be perfectly ecological and there will be no worries. But – given that people are going to be coming here what's the best way to do this so that we have the least impact on the environment is it no more construction within the the camp or the 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 park itself and we just bus people in from canmore you know is that the answer i don't know
1: i i don't know man i wouldn't have a problem like when they put up those um what those like overpasses for the wildlife right love those yeah me too and it's like those are some pretty substantial construction projects you know, that have a, a significant impact on the environment there, but a positive one at the same time. Um, I don't know, man. I think that giving people access to the park and, and giving them more access to see kind of the backcountry wilderness of it all um, so that you get a better idea of how, like, important it is to preserve this stuff. Um yeah, I think that, that, that we all sort of win-win there. Like, Banff, the Banff town site comes from a time when it was like, there's good mining opportunities around here, you know? Well,
0: it's the first national park, right?
1: Uh, yeah does it predate it doesn 't predate Yellowstone i don 't think first national park oh, in Canada, in Canada, right? Canada yeah, sorry, sure, yeah.
0: yeah and uh you know the railway is the reason that it happened right uh, yeah. no railway no banff oh yeah sure yeah true yeah um yeah no i think you 're right uh, camping 's kind of a pain anyway because it 's so hard to get campsites anywhere clearly there 's a need for more campsites if it 's you know if you have to get up january 1st and drive down to your you know whatever to sign up for a campsite for that year (laughs) yeah
1: i yeah i just yeah it's it's it seems funny to me that that you know for, for the 150th you know we flooded the parks and it frustrated some people and i think that it's you know i i think it's it's leaves a bad taste in some people's mouth when i think that the the bad the the national national parks could have you know could do things to become more accessible at the same at once to more people. I don't know. I, I would actually really love to hear from somebody who would play the ecology side of it and just say no, they're at capacity. They can't possibly handle anymore. I'm sure that argument is there to be
0: made. I just thought of something, Roger. What if? Did you mention? You said the person at the the kiosk wasn't very interested in talking to you. You didn't mention the word phoenix at any point during your conversation, did you? Why? Because uh, it, it's not the national parks or the national employees. Are they not paid by the Phoenix system now? And the government has been having endless problems with their pay system. Oh, really? To the point where employees are not getting paid for months and months.
1: Oh, wow. So it's just like this general orneriness that's happening <laughs> out there. I just thought it was pretty funny. But it was it was hilarious that i met the at the kiosk for like 20 seconds. You know it's free, right? Like, yeah, hi to you too. Like the same thing happens at McDonald's. Like, go into a McDonald's and try to not use the new touchscreen. Oh, no, sir. Can I show you how to use the touchscreen? Can I go talk (laughs) to a 16 year old? (laughs) I'll just show you how to use it. Can I have some human contact? (laughs) What's wrong with her? Her arm's broken. (laughs) Is she antisocial? Let me go talk to her. I want to order a Big Mac off her. They won't let you do it. National Talkie
0: League, podcasting into the future. Did we already hit that one? I don't think so. I I'm can't to, remember. That I'm trying one. to shake it up.
1: There's a new script, by the way, into Johannes, our German <gasps> uh, voiceover
0: talent. That's exciting. We need to. Have we talked about getting like a a Scottish, really strong Scottish accent <laughs> lady or something like that? We can do that. Maybe that should be on the list. We could certainly do that. Nothing we- against Johannes, but it'd be nice to switch it up a little
1: bit. Hey, who do you hope is the new leader of the? Uh, United Conservative Party, the UCP.
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if I like any of the guys right now. Um,
1: Brian, not a, Brian Jean has uh, has already said he'll pursue the leadership.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Never got a good feeling from him when he was in charge of Wild Rose. Uh, nothing against him. Just don't get a good feeling from him. Uh, Phil DeBrant talked about him before. Liked him when he was in charge of the – Canadian Taxpayers Federation, seems to know his way around an economy, terrible, terrible in front of a microphone, can't stop putting his foot in his mouth, don't get it, but he should really stop trying to be in charge of things, is I think his best career.
1: <laughs> so not not a, an endorsement for Derek Filterbrandt for a leader?
0: No. Hey, you know what? If he wants to be in charge, he wants to be the finance minister, that's probably an awesome place for him. He shouldn't be in charge. Some people just shouldn't be in charge of things. Yeah, Nothing I- against them, but... <clears throat> Yeah, I think some people think they can run things, but they can't run. things.
1: <laughs> I think you're right about that. And I think that, um, Derek, I think is really eager and I think his time will come. I don't think it's now. I think he should let this stuff sort of settle. You know, he was in a, in a wild rose party that was in like a bit of a rebuild after, you know, the whole floor crossing thing happened. Um, I'm not saying it's like a, a ragtag gang of right wingers in there but it, but you know it, it was sort of a refresh right it wasn't the same wild rose party that that Daniel Smith was leading and so I think that there's just been so much turmoil really political turmoil um in his tenure as a politician that he would benefit from being in cabinet or being like a a player in a in a UCP government which I believe is inevitable uh, in a UCP government Um, and then just kind of stage and then, you know, kind of wait,
0: wait his turn. I think his time will
1: come, but I don't think it's
0: right now. I think you're right. Uh, Kenny, I don't know. I don't know if I'm a big Kenny fan or not. He seems to be sort of whichever way the wind's blowing, that seems to be what he's in favor of. Uh, socially, I'm not his biggest fan. Fiscally, he's probably fine. But Jim Dinning, can we put Jim Dinning in charge?
1: (laughs) Still want to call Jim Dinning back, do you? Um, yeah, I st- I still have no idea. I, I, I'm excited to watch it play out. Um, I think that what would be really helpful would be for somebody to just kind of come up with a charter for the party and say, this is who we are and this is what we're going to do. Um, And, I, and they're letting – they're really – Maybe they'll strategize against this. It's early days, but they're really letting the progressives in this province paint them as social, uh, social. Uh, uh, you know, I don't want to say like social conservatives. I believe that a lot of them are, but like like the really bad socons. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw Greg Clark's tweet. You know, when he came out on on Twitter and said that you know that that party tolerates intolerance and you know there's no room for that and and I just kind of looked at it. I said, okay, well they. Do tolerate intolerance, but every party tolerates intolerance. Let's not let's not pretend that there's a political party that's intolerant of something. The NDP are intolerant of very wealthy people uh, getting you know tax breaks from the government or something like that. Right? They're intolerant of that, and they tolerate the war on the one percent. So, like, you know. It's, it's it's just weird. I just I think that that Greg needed to choose his statement a lot better cuz he just sort of sounded like he was uh pitchforking and torching uh along with the rest of of the progressives.
0: Well, you know, maybe it's uh I mean, I I what he was going for clearly was the hot button issues, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the social stuff, which I think he's probably on the money that they need to straighten their act up if they want to go far 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 right, they do so at their peril, I think. If they want to Bring the social policies back towards the middle. Keep the fiscal stuff further right. Bring the social policies back towards the middle. I think they'll end up doing a lot better. Um, I mean, at least for me, anyway, that would be. I just I find it hard to throw my you know unmitigated support behind people who are saying this is how people should live and this is how you should be able to marry someone. Right. That kind of stuff. I I just have real issues with that. Especially in this day and age, like the the canary is out of the cage on that one.
1: You know, let it go. Explore the canary is out of the cage etymology on a future
0: podcast. Well, that's, that would be the canary in the coal mine is probably what you're looking for there. So he survived.
1: The (laughs) the the bird has flown. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, well, you know, it's, it, What interests me about it, Dave, is that if you can successfully sell the message that this carbon tax is killing jobs, which might be hard to sell in a couple of years if the economy is picking up steam, mm-hmm. right? If we're in a good economy and the carbon tax – and like we've got more jobs than we had four years ago or something like that, it might be hard to sell the message that this carbon tax is killing jobs. And so if that becomes the case – then I don't know what the this conservative party is going to do to get elected. I don't know what the message, they'll, they'll the drum they'll beat, I guess I'm trying to say, is that, that we'll get them elected. But if you are successfully able to sell that the carbon tax is killing jobs, do you think people will, will care about all the social conservative stuff? Or do you think I, they'll go vote with their wallets?
0: I strongly think that there's enough people that dislike the NDP that it won't even be an issue. Yeah. Uh those that support the NDP say, oh well, Alberta's different now. <laughs> You're right. That one time we voted differently over the last forty years, we've totally changed. Um and really what changed was the seats in the bigger cities, right? A lot of them went went to the NDP. I don't believe for a second that all the people in the big cities suddenly went, Oh, you know what? We've been totally voting wrong all these years. Well let's let's suddenly go as far left as we possibly can. I think it was a reaction, I think it was a protest against what what Prentice was trying to peddle. I think people were tired of corporations getting bigger breaks and that whole idea of, you know, look in the mirror, that it's all on you from right. a government that had been basically in charge for a very long time and it was essentially all on them. I think that's where your NDP vote came from and I don't see it staying there unless, like you said, things are super crazy rosy. In two years.
1: Yeah. I I haven't heard anybody say we, I voted NDP because I believe in higher taxes. We needed to have higher taxes in this province. I've just not heard anyone say that. No, though. I think you could, I think that somebody could come in and say we needed to have higher taxes, particularly on wealthy earners. And that was one of their big things was we're going to get rid of the flat tax. We're going to go to a progressive income tax system, which I disagree with. Not that anyone asked, but anyway, um, but I don't hear people saying that was the reason why I voted for the NDP. And I also I, I wonder, and I'll put this to you: with you know, you brought up Jim Prentice and you brought up the look in the mirror comment. And I certainly think that he sealed the loss for the PCs with the look in the mirror comment and with the math is hard, uh, you know, in in the debate. Um, but I think people voted out Alison Redford's progressive conservatives.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So you know, they 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 chose a party, or maybe they were just trying to. Maybe they weren't choosing a party. Maybe they're just sending a message to say, "Don't fly your kids around on our airplanes or whatever."
0: Well, and also you had the you had the wild rose crossing the floor thing, and that just created all kinds of more havoc. So the right wasn't in a particularly good shape at that point. They're still not really. Maybe once this party gets its stuff together and starts putting out some policy and this is what we're planning to do, this is what we stand for, then people will be able to say, OK, well, now I know what you're about. I want to hear more from the 5%ers, the, the people who didn't want to merge. I, yeah, I, that's kind of interesting. Yeah.
1: Those would be some interesting um, conversations. Um, but I, you know, I think that the number was so high because people just want to be in power. Yeah. Like, isn't that ultimately what it is? It's just like, yeah. we just want to be the government again. Yep. Which is why I don't think any of the social conservative stuff is going to, is going to haunt them.
0: Yeah. it's. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see the the poll numbers are ridiculous for uh, for Notley right now. She's, you know, polling, what, around 20% or something mm-hmm. like that, favorable. So that's not going to win you any elections anytime soon. There's nobody else in that party that anybody's going to go to bat for.
1: Yeah. I don't know if I could name five people in that party.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, a lot of inexperienced MLAs and, uh, you know, people who don't really necessarily know what they're doing. I don't know if they're having any effect on anything right now. It may just prove to us that, hey, most of you guys don't really matter. We could put a bunch of puppets in the the seats and maybe it wouldn't make any difference. I don't know.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, they kind of came in with their mandate and they, and, you know, they got a couple of things done, most notably like the farm legislation, farm labor legislation and, um, the carbon tax. It's like, I don't know. I I wonder what the panic was like when they realized they were going to win the election. (laughs)
0: Legitimately.
1: Right. Like, oh my God, what are we going to do?
0: Yeah. Who are we going to put in charge? Uh Uh-oh.
1: Yeah. And we've got a policy platform, like, which is kind of, you know, we just did spitballed a couple of ideas. The, the progressive income tax thing is an easy one. Like anybody could, could have done that. It's a lot harder to take it away, I think. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, for them to just go, Oh, we're just going to tax the rich a bit more, tax the poor a bit less. And you know, it's all going to come out in the wash. We're going to bring in the same amount of money. That's a piece of cake. But for them to like look at, at the province of Alberta, and instead of just criticizing the PCs who, you know, obviously helped build a, the country's economic leader, um, to, to come in and go, well, you know, how could we improve on that? Yeah. I think that they must've been shitting themselves because they really didn't have a clue.
0: Well, and then of course, anytime anybody says anything like, oh, the NDP is not doing a good job. The instant, you know, knee jerk response is well, oil prices are in the toilet right now. And then anytime you say, well, the conservatives did a great job for so long, they'll say, well, because of oil prices, so they're basically admitting it doesn't really matter who's in charge as long as oil prices are good. So to me, that's just as good as saying, well, then why should those guys be in charge, right? What was, wasn't oil in like the 20s when uh, when Ralph Klein took
1: over? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Would well, that be WTI? I'm Googling this right now. WTI right. price. Oh, by the way, a correction from earlier in the show. Dr. Jen Gunter, not the person who studied naturopathy that I thought. Totally oh, okay. different person. Uh, WPI price chart, 1993. Let's try that. Yeah, I seem to remember him inheriting a pretty dismal uh, oil price as well.
0: Well, yeah, the first recession there was in the late 80s, was it not? Uh, Wow, there's like 1675
1: historical crude oil prices. Uh, Let's see here. This is uh, probably one of the most boring websites on planet Earth, but I'm looking at it. (laughs) Makes for great
0: radio. Yeah,
1: dude, the oil was in like the was under twenty dollars a barrel
0: in nineteen ninety three. What was the interest rate for a mortgage in nineteen ninety three? Man, Canada—that's the other thing that drives me nuts. These people today. Oh, it's too expensive to buy a house. Oh, really? Do you remember when it cost twenty percent of your income? Twenty percent was your uh, mortgage interest,
1: right? Or and how much money did you need to put down too? Probably more. In 1993, I've got
0: 9.47, and that was probably recovering from. Yeah, early was it not?
1: Oh my god, can you imagine getting a loan at nine and a half percent? Can you imagine like seeing in the bank,
0: like yeah, we got a great teaser rate at 11 <laughs> percent. Oh yeah, people bitch now if it's if it's like three, right? Well, what do you think of the of the Bank of Canada raising the interest rate? I have no strong opinion on it. It seems to have bounced the dollar up a couple pennies. Yeah. Uh, uh, it increased the amount that I pay on my line of credit slightly, but very slightly.
1: Yeah, it did the same to me. Um, you know, it's I, – I, I wish they had done it a lot sooner because this is the first time since I, – I don't even remember the last time they did it. Was it seven years ago?
0: It's been a while for yeah. sure.
1: So you're basically in this this place where you know, if we have another massive recession, how are they going to cut interest rates? Yeah. Like if they're down to zero, right? Like what are they supposed to do? And that that that's what frightens me.
0: <clears throat> you know, this is going to sound like I'm a, you know, a, a fiscal moron, but I'll say it anyway. You know, I I just wish uh bonds were worth more. If I could make more interest on a bond, I would just buy more bonds. Then I wouldn't have to worry about playing the stock market or any of those unsafe investments. You know, remember when Canada savings bonds were actually worth something? Uh, tuck a tuck a couple of those in your in your wallet and hang on to it. Grandma would give you a hundred bucks and you <laughs> bond and then a couple of years later be worth three hundred? Maybe not a couple of years, maybe a decade or so. I don't know.
1: Oh man, yeah, those things like yeah I' remember having a hundred dollars savings bond to take it into the bank to get into like one hundred and eight dollars or something. I was just so upset. I'm like, thank you for tying this up forever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, historical rates for Canada savings bonds. Let's look at these because like, yeah, there was a time like your grandparents, all they had to do was like buy some bonds. Here we go. Nineteen eighty nine, ten and a half 1989, ten and a half percent nineteen and a half percent in nineteen eighty one. Can you imagine buying uh, an investment instrument that was going to pay you
0: 20%? That's absurd. So clearly, there's a reason that they're not doing it now, right? So what's a bond, right? You know, This would be a good – we should get like a banker on
1: to to explain this to you. My understanding of a bond is it's basically the government saying, hey, we need to borrow some money. Here's a bond. We're going to pay you back with interest, but we're not going to pay you back for seven years. And what we're going to do with this money, by the way, is we're going to invest it in this country and build the economy so that we'll have the money to pay you back in seven years.
0: But there's got to be a reason they're not paying that much interest. Is it because it's so cheap to borrow money from the central bank or – Or
1: maybe they just don't need to because they're so flush with cash, right? It's like don't those like junk bonds in Greece, don't they have like redonkulously high interest rates because you know you're probably not going to get paid
0: back? Yeah, that's probably what it is. The safer the investment is, the less it's worth. Right. But still, I mean, you know, I hate trying to figure out mutual funds and stocks to invest in you're You're good at that game. I'm not good at that game. I'm terrible at that game.
1: but you, you got to diversify, man. You know what? I'm not giving financial advice here. I think aren't you no, supposed no. to do like a disclaimer every time you talk about it, but it's like, I'm,
0: I'm just t- saying if you know if I could just put if I knew I was getting nine percent back or eight percent or whatever a, a decent return would be, seven mm-hmm. percent, I'd probably do that. right? guaranteed seventy percent percent.
1: Yeah, I'd love to get nine percent just guaranteed and boom I'm, I'll go to the Bahamas
0: now. Government's got more money. They don't have to borrow as much. I mean, I guess they do because they have to pay back the interest on it, right? So,
1: the, the, um, yeah. So, wow. 2011, a Canada savings bond was paying half a percent.
0: Half a percent. Well, I bet you people were just lining up to buy those. <laughs> That's a waste of money. What the, is it now? It's like two, three.
1: Uh, I don't know what it is at the moment. It's not on this price history chart. But the thing that's funny about that is it's like you'd lose money on that, right? Right. Because you can't beat inflation and you're going to have to pay tax. Um, we should we should get a, somebody in the financial advisory game on to sort of answer, answer to that question because, I mean, I'll tell you what I do, right? I just buy a lot of st- – enough stocks, not like a lot, like I've got millions invested. I mean I've got like – a basket of some twenty different stocks that I own, um, so that you know when I take a hit on one, I probably didn't take a hit on all of them, right? Diversify the portfolio. What
0: are you gaggling about? Do you know what the rate is this year, Roger? No, tell me. All right, I'll, I'll read to you from the uh, the Canada Savings Bond website. The latest federal government uh, federal budget released on March twenty second, twenty seventeen. The government of Canada announced that it will discontinue the sale of Canada Savings oh, Bonds. Right. I remember that now. Yeah. And premium savings bonds as of November twenty seventeen, given the overall decline in sales yeah. and the access to alternative investment vehicles for consumers. Blah blah blah. So there's no more. Yeah. There you go. Who's
1: buying bonds anyway? Like the savings bond, the Canada Savings Bond. That's like totally a grandparents thing. It is right. It's like very much. My grandfather bought me a bond when I was born. So what was the rate on that one in 1978? It would have been nine and a half percent. Wicked. I did well on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit different. I I, I do wonder how things are going to change though, when like you and I hit retirement age, or if the whole paradigm is going to shift, and they'll have to like dream up ways to take care of old people.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We definitely have that large sort of bubble of older you know, people heading towards the finish line there and less jobs and you know automation coming up behind them. It's going to be a weird turmoil part. Maybe we'll get the bonds going again, get the, all the old people to buy bonds, put their money back into the government instead of elsewhere.
1: I don't know how to transition from this conversation into one about sex toys.
0: National Talking Toy League. <laughs> We'll tell you what we want. What we really, really want. So you brought it up, Raj.
1: Yeah. So where where were you shopping exactly when you stumbled <laughs> upon this picture that'll be is included in the show notes at NationalTalkyLeague.com?
0: So I was at uh, Pet Land or Pet whatever pet place my wife buys the dog food at. Yeah. Pet World, Pet Co. They all start with pet, right?
1: As they should.
0: (laughs) And so I was – I sent Roger two pictures. The first one was a uh, a maker of like jerky and bones for dogs and the name of the company was Barnsdale Farms and it says, we make dogs happy is their slogan. And so what I said to Roger was Barnsdale Farms. They were – these guys missed by one letter because shouldn't it really be Barksdale farms
1: there was some non-creative person in that in that meeting who just couldn't see like you know we are really close to a good dog pun here guys
0: <laughs> has to be right i do this all the time where i'll be at the movie theater with my family and the trailer for despicable me three comes on and i'll say why is this movie not called despicable three what is wrong with these people like you're missed guys it's obvious right it's right it's in obvious. front of you pick it yeah yeah,
1: The other picture is the good one, though.
0: So I sent Roger a second picture, and uh, you'll have to refer to the show notes uh, to see the picture. <laughs> but it's basically a – what would you call that? A long, plastic, uh, flexible, ribbed uh, shaft yeah, keep of going. some kind. Keep going. like this. With a ball on either end. And I sent Roger and I, I – the caption I sent was uh, – these are for dogs that are into adventurous play. This this is
1: effectively like a double-ended dildo. <laughs> like it's it's got Benoit balls at each end and it's absolutely ribbed like a rope. And I – this just totally gives credence to something that I said in a previous podcast, which is if you own a dog toy factory – You own a sex toy factory. (laughs) I I don't know what the modification would be. I imagine it's just like changing one little chemical element of the composition of this thing. But this – what you sent sent me a picture of, you throw in a park. You could modify this very easily to be something that is widely distributed on Pornhub (laughs) or widely viewed on Pornhub.
0: And this set off an endless stream of uh, of questions, uh, whether something was a sex toy or a dog toy. Started with, uh, "Is it for your hooch or for your pooch?"
1: I think it was actually the best one of the lot. <laughs> and we might we might just want to end it there. But there was a couple of good ones in here too.
0: Is it for your clover or <laughs> for Rover?
1: Um, for your for your end or man's best friend.
0: Is it for his hog or for the dog?
1: I, I tried to get real niche when I, I said Shiba Inu or shove it in you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is it for your canine or her back nine?
1: For the hound or for you to pound? See, I just, so what I want to know then is is it true? Is it a fact that if you've got a, a, sex, a, a dog toy factory, you've got a sex toy factory?
0: I think you're probably not far off. I bet you uh, uh, maybe the uh, ones that don't make the uh, pharmaceutical grade become dog toys. Would it be hard, by the way, to
1: like uh, – knowing what I know about Japanese uh, mass production of, of goods, not in Japan, in China rather, um, they'll like retool a factory, right? Somebody will come in and say, hey, I want to manufacture this product. Um, can your factory do this? And say, like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, we can make that product for you. Do you think that like one day if you're a Chinese factory worker, you're making sunglasses, you know, and you're just like painting Ray-Ban in the corner of sunglasses and you're having a good time and then you leave and then you come back the next day and all of a sudden it's like you're making giant black fists. <laughs> <laughs> what happened here? What? I a, 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 a used to be a Ray-Ban painter. What's going on? So, yeah, well, now we're making large. <laughs> they look like mannequin arms, but they're for an entirely different purpose. <laughs>
0: I bet you it's fairly, very, very common. We need uh, we need some adventurous uh, Photoshopper to come up with a quiz where you go on Facebook and there's ten pictures and you have to choose sex toy or dog toy.
1: Yeah, I, and I want that to be an assignment too for someone to come up to try to find us the raunchiest dog toy, <laughs> the most suggestive looking dog toy.
0: Well, and my wife pointed out, oh well, and then there's collars for both, so. Um, that's true you're probably okay there <laughs> lots of uh you know bondage type stuff nice
1: well Dave I'm fresh out of bullets for this uh this episode of the National Talkie League
0: well it's been a fun one as always uh don't forget we have the uh, special uh interview with uh Trevor Tomb dropping a bit later this week uh we talked a lot about Equalization payments, we cleared up a lot of misunderstandings that people would have. We talked a lot about the Calgary economy and where things are heading, about the Olympic bid. Uh, and he's just a wealth of knowledge about you know the bottom line on things and uh, in a nonpartisan way, which is really interesting too. And I was really stunned by his taste in Brad Pitt movies. <sighs> Once again – Roger feels it's his job to ask our guests what their favorite movies are and then chastise them for their responses
1: <laughs> hey look he's right about just about everything except for that when you 're wrong you're wrong i', I it's not, i'm just here to you get mad at the ref what's wrong with you
0: <laughs> you'll know it uh, you'll know it 's about time for that to happen when you hear my uh my brad Pitt uh diversification theory. <laughs>
1: which is entirely worth listening to the entire interview just to get to that point too. Um, All right, Dave, well played today. Let's hit the showers.
0: Yeah, uh, so uh, once again, wrapping up, uh, I was on the iTunes the other day, so there's uh, I think 13 ratings now, all five-star ratings we've gotten. Thank you. Uh, there's a, I think we're at 10 reviews. Another review went up today and uh, yeah, we love it. We love it when you put up a review. It makes us feel good or if you don't feel like doing it on iTunes, drop by the Facebook page. Let us know. There's always a thread for uh, whichever episode you're listening to. Let us know what you thought. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you didn't. If you're a private kind of person, you can do it through the, uh, the email at mail at league.com. We love the fact that you listened. We love the fact that you're sharing. Uh, we couldn't do this without you, and uh, it's awesome to have you on board for the journey.
1: All right. Uh, the, the interview, by the way, will be published on the same feed as this one, so you don't need to go find a new podcast feed uh, to get the National Talk League supplement interviews, which we will probably find a name for at a later date. Until the next episode. We'll talk to you then. Thanks. Bye.